Is this thing on, Ron? I think so. <laughs> I hope it is, anyway. It better be, dang it. <laughs> Tonight, we're going to jump right into it. I got a guest that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. Uh, we've got Ron Kahn on this evening. How you doing, sir? Good, Phil. I appreciate you uh, having me on. It's uh, been a little bit over a year in the making, I, I think. It's, yes, I think it has. kind of talking about this about a year ago, a little over a year ago. and uh, Absolutely. Now, I, within that year, boy, have we been given a lot of material. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's the understatement of the year. Uh, and quite frankly, before you reached out to me, I didn't know you. There was a guy I used to work with. He had a saying. He said, I wouldn't know him if I found him dead in my lunchbox. He said, <laughs> but, and that was kind of my situation with you. I don't think we ever crossed paths. I don't think we ever met. But uh, why don't you go through some of your background there? I know you were involved in the CHM for some time and walk us through it a little bit. Yeah, I was. Uh, I wasn't born and raised in the CHM like a lot of uh, people who probably listen to your show or um, have been guests on your show. Um, I I was raised up in the Church of Nazarene and also Church of God of Pentecost. Um, but I was, uh, my grandparents were Pentecostal and my parents went to a Church of the Nazarene. Um, and then, I, of course, as a youth, I was at all the youth groups because i was uh you know more instead of trying to find jesus i was trying to find a girlfriend (laughs) you kind of make your rounds to all the youth groups but uh, we have that in common as well i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but i you know actually uh uh was married into the chm and um you know i went to when i say the church of god of pentecost they were the long black train of the pentecostal movement because they had already gone to pants and bobbing their hair and wearing mm, and yes. makeup and all of that. So backslidden, uh, well backslidden by this point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, cause my aunts and my, my grandmother, they, they, they love to, um, um, get dressed up for church, you know, which there's nothing wrong with that. We're yeah. supposed to look good when we go to church. Right. Yeah, man, so, looking fly. But, uh, so I was, I, I kind of came into it through marriage. Um, Real quick story. I don't want to go down too big of a rabbit hole, but real quick story. At 16 years old, my grandmother gave me a Bible for my 16th birthday, and I was pretty upset about it because I was hoping for a set of keys to a vehicle. (laughs) Um, But she gave me a a Bible at 16 and um, said that she was in her prayer, you know, her prayer life one day and just really felt impressed that I needed to have the Word of God given to me. And um, and, in there, put a note that God impressed upon her heart that he would was going to use me in ministry at some point in my life. And, um, I was so mad that day that I never even opened the Bible for about six months. And my grandmother finally called me and she goes, have you been reading your Bible? And I was like, yeah, grandma, I've been reading it. And she goes, have you? And I go, no, grandma, I haven't. <laughs> you know. Uh, and in that Bible, it stayed in the box and everything. And in that Bible, she had left me that note with a couple hundred dollars, um, to help me go towards the vehicle. And you want to talk about feeling bad. Oh, I can imagine. So. So that was my really my first um, encounter with, I guess what I would say, conviction um, in my life. Later on down the road, I get saved, uh, baptized, and uh, mar- like I said, married into the CHM and answered a call to preach um, while with the CHM. And actually pastored a little church over there in Nelsonville, where near uh, where Canaan you know, used to live. Oh, yeah. So Canaan has yep. So I pastored that little church for about two and a half, almost three years. And um, 
left there. The subject that we're going to get into tonight, I was, I myself am a victim of uh, sexual abuse, child molestation uh, by a family member at age three and four, and then by uh, what I would call an acquaintance later on about age 11. Um, so I was not, my abuse did not happen within the conservative holiness movement or within the church world it, per se. I see. But my heart um, has been really burdened with the revelations of things that have really came out over the last uh, year and a half that we've, 14, 16, 15 months, whatever, that you and I have been talking. Yeah. Um, some of the things that I had seen, I think how I came about knowing about who you were um, was through uh, Steve Moon had sent me a link uh, to your all's podcast. And uh, so I think that's kind of how I came about. He and I yeah. met, met up and reconnected and talked and we kind of um, shot text messages and phone calls back and forth for a little while. And I think that's kind of how I came and stumbled across uh, your podcast and uh, also some of the groups on Facebook. And um, there was a few posts that came out from young people that I knew. Um, some of them, I actually was pastored by their father. Um, others I either was in direct contact with as far as on my youth teams at youth camp or indirectly in contact with them, um, on another team who have come out to be victims of sexual abuse and molestation and rape. And I think in light of some of the recent comments that have been made, I think I'm very strong in saying those words because they need to be said. Yes, Because that's do. what's happened yes. to these victims. They were sexually abused, physically abused, uh, molested, and raped. And um, I don't know why it's so hard for the leaders of the CHM or the church world in general to actually discuss those things and use those words. Yeah, that's the question I struggle with quite a bit, trying to figure that out. To me, it, it seems like it would be, uh, well, let me put it this way, I'd have so much more respect with them, uh, for them if they were transparent about it and honest about the problem and uh, said, hey, I'm very sorry that this happened and you know, here's what we're going to do to try to keep this from happening in the future. But you find very few, if any, that will even make a statement like that well there's there's been one that i know for a fact has come out and put a pretty strong stance against it and i actually have a lot of respect for ron stevens mm -hmm. um, there was yep. a, there was a clip of him coming out and calling it what it was yep um i have a lot of respect for ron from the standpoint of knowing his background um you know he uh was miraculously saved in jail and uh so I, while I, I do believe and know that there are good people um, within the conservative holiness movement, um, I think far and beyond uh, those, though, there's been too many in what I would say leadership roles, mm -hmm. whether a pastor or actually over these um, organizations who have turned a blind eye or wanted to keep things hush hush for too long. Um, I know that it's not only happening. Uh, in the CHM. Sure. I know that it's in the Catholic Church, and I know that it's in the Baptist churches and all the other churches around, all the other denominations around. 
you and I had a discussion last week. Both of us pretty fired up over. Uh, oh, yeah. Maybe we'll dive into that here in a minute. But <laughs> we were both fired up over the lack of calling it thin. Yes. Uh, I think the words that were used were moral failure. Moral failure. Yes. Um, but the things that were being discussed previous to that was just outright sin and your backslider and. Um, when it mentioned short know, sleeves and stuff like that, that's a sin. But child molestation yeah. is a moral failure. Right. No. And so um, I, I think that's why I felt compelled to to discuss this. I think one of the things that I want to do personally is if any young person that had direct or indirect contact with me, uh, I wish I would have been able to pick up on their pain as a victim myself of it. I know, and, and I didn't deal with mine for years, Phil. It took a long time for me to to understand all the stuff that I was burying. But if any of them are listening to this, I want to apologize to them. I didn't know. And had I known, I wouldn't have turned a blind eye and I, we would have gone to the authorities. Sure. Um, yeah. I want to apologize for their pain and for their hurt. And if and any of them want to reach out to me, they can. Uh, I'll listen. Um, I understand. I understand the pain of being a victim of sexual abuse. Uh, I understand the pain of being a victim of sexual molestation. And um, so I, that's the purpose of this podcast for me. Sure. Is to let them know they're not alone. To let them know that um, they are um, loved. Not only by us, but by God. And that they've got some people who are willing to fight to call it what it is and bring out what it needs to be. Yes. Absolutely. So, uh, w- why don't you, uh, why don't you go through some of, um, and again, Ron, I, c- I can edit this part out, whatever, as far as the stories that you've told me, I'll let you handle those as far as the detail, whatever you want to say and don't want to say. Um, well, I think one of the reasons for my apology is, is, um, I know for a fact that of one case for sure, um, that I heard with my own ears through a phone conversation, there was an accusation made. Um, and the immediate concern was to basically protect image. Um, and it was very hard for them to believe that the individual in question would have committed that. And it was, it was basically let's do an internal investigation slash I'm going to call it slash cover up. Um, and let's keep this hush hush and let's not, um, ruffle too many feathers until we investigate. So, and you witnessed this, this, you witnessed this yourself. I heard, I overheard the entire conversation and I was told that what I heard, um, in that conversation that I was not to repeat. Um, you got to remember, I just answered the call to preach. I'm coming over for a trial sermon. It's after that sermon we're headed back. Um, the, the phone service there, if anybody knows the <laughs> oh, yeah. phone service wasn't that great. So yeah. we had to drive closer to before um, service was given. And I remember we had to pull over because it was a pretty in-depth 20-minute, 25-minute conversation. And um, so I've answered the call to preach. I'm, 
I'm trying, I'm doing a trial sermon for the first, very first pastorate that I would uh, be at. And, you know, I'm been sitting under for about two and a half, three years now, maybe four, four years um, of leadership and guidance. And, you know, because I'm, I'm taking on, you know, this uh, responsibility you know, I'm sitting under the authority of those appointed above me, as Scripture says. You were to follow those. Um, and, I'm, you know, this is where I feel guilt um, in our conversations that we've had. This is where I feel guilt. that. But, of course, there was a lot of particulars I did not know. I'm only hearing one side of the conversation. Um, but I know that in the gist of that conversation, the concern was not letting this get out, not letting, you know— uh, we've got to do this investigation. It was more of an internal thing. And to me, there's sins of omission and sins of commission. So, you know, to me, sins of commission, you're willfully doing that. Sins of omission is knowing what you should be doing, but not doing it. Um, yeah. And I, looking back on this, you know, there was definitely, and I feel like down through the years, there has definitely been a lot of sins of omission by let's not turn this over to the proper authorities. There's yes. some things you can do an internal investigation about. You know, it's not a crime for a man or a woman to step outside their bounds of marriage. Not morally right, but it's not a crime. Right, right. You know, um, you know there there are certain things. You, you had a crossword with a board member or, or whatever, deacons or whatever in your church. That's not a crime. You, yeah, you and you handle those things internally. Um, disagree with the teachings of a Sunday school teacher. You don't like the color of the, the carpet or the blind. Yes. <laughs> those yeah. are things. But if you're if you're committing crimes, sexually abusing, sexually raping, sexually molesting children, elderly women, you're stealing from the coffers, whatever. Those are things you got to turn over to the authorities. We're past the internal audit phase at that point, right? Yeah, and then to also not call this out, not bring it to light, and not there are certain things you go to a brother with in private. And then if that doesn't work, you go to him two or three. And then at that point, then you bring it out before, but there are other things you've got to bring to light. Yes. There is protection needed for individuals who cannot defend themselves and especially children. You know, I just, it blows my mind, the lack of responsibility and the lack of accountability that they have shown year in and year out, even recently. Oh, yes. You and I both know there are other things that have come out recently. Oh yes, um, that have not been taken care of as soon as they need to be taken care of. Yep. So this this example here that you're giving me about the conversation that you overheard. Do you happen to know if anything happened to the perpetrator? I was. I do not, and I was never in. I, again, I was told to keep hush. That you know that that was a private conversation. Um, it bothered me. It bothered me at that point, but I didn't know what to do. Who, who you have to understand? I don't have all the particulars. Yes, I'm hearing one side of this conversation. Yeah, but I'm getting the gist of this conversation that molestation was being accused. It was hard to believe that this individual would do it. We have to keep it quiet. We'll do an investigation. We've got to protect both. And, and I felt like at that point the protection was more on the person being accused than it was for the victim. And I know that the the family was asked not to bring it to anybody else until the investigation was done. Mm. Mm. But I don't. I, I was never given any update 
because I was a peon. You got to remember, sure. I'm the I'm a new guy. I've been uh, newly licensed for about eight nine months. Um, but I remember exactly where I was at. I remember exactly the car I was sitting in. I know I can almost tell you exactly what the the individual was wearing during this conversation. I remember years later certain things coming out um that you know i i eventually ended up sharing with some at that point some of my family members um concerns that i had not only about that but some other things that was taking place within the the chn that i even had discussions with with other pastors about and no one felt that they could touch these it's almost like they're set up on a pedestal they're they're you know, they're heroes of the faith. They're hero that calendars are being made, books are being written about all of these people. And how in the world are we supposed to go out here and say anything negative about um them or about their the the things that weren't taking place? And I know to them it looks like they're being under attack. They're we're attacking them and we're touching God's anointing. Oh, they yes. need to pray us away and pray us down. I want it to be understood that what needs to happen. If there's a case of physical, sexual abuse, molestation, and rape, it has to be turned over to the authorities. Absolutely. Without question. It has to. You cannot do an internal investigation and not be feeling like you can do it without feeling behind it. You know, yep. uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Phil? Uh, without um, bias, maybe? Biased. Thank you. Yes. You're going to be biased, especially if they're your friends, especially if you all went to school together, if you went um, out on the road together and holding revival services or, or IHCs or whatever, whatever it may be, you can't do it without a bias. You need to let people who can do it without bias do the investigation. Because, look, I understand there's false accusations out there. Oh, sure. Yep. But the number, the sheer number of people coming forward, there's an issue. There's a problem. Yes. And I remember, Ron, when you first told me this, like you said, it's been uh, probably at least a year ago now. I was still finding out about some of this and had already, you know, we'd started raising a bit of a fuss about it and some others had it as well. But I remember when you told me this story for the first time, I remember I got off the phone and uh, actually I stood right over here at the door to the studio. And I remember it hit me all of a sudden. I cried like a little baby. Yep. Because just thinking about you saying that you had witnessed what I was afraid had been happening, you know, and by that I mean attempts at cover-ups in high levels of of uh, the conservative church. It was that was it was almost devastating at night. And I and I think unfortunately since that point as well, Phil, you've also found out some other. Oh, it's yes. not just been. It wasn't just me telling you about this incident that I knew. You have now found out, and I have now found out other incidents that have definitely been covered up or definitely not taken care of. You know, they've taken too much time, and you know, I don't know what all the laws are in some states, but I am glad that some states are are putting in. Um, there's no more uh, statute of limitations. Yes, that. It doesn't matter if it was 30 years ago or if it was three days ago. There's, there's not statute of limitations anymore. And I, I think every state needs to adopt that, that if there is credible evidence, if there is definite proof of these actions, these people need to be brought forth and justice needs to be served. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
I was able to, I'll say this, I, I feel like one of the reasons in my healing process that some of the others that I, I hear and I see commenting and I've talked to over the phone, I was able to confront both of my accusers as an adult. Um, some of these have not been able to have that chance. And I think the other thing that bothers me is hearing some of these leaders sit here and say that, you know, they want to love them to Jesus and they want to care for them. Why don't you sit down and talk to them? Mm-hmm. Why don't you understand? Yes. Get an understanding of what the abuse has actually done to them mentally, physically, spiritually, instead of casting stones at them because they now wear short sleeves and shorts and have tattoos and earrings, instead of getting to the heart of the issue, maybe why they completely turned around and ran from you and ran from your teachings. Because everything that you were taught was based on outward and what you could do instead of, and they were being sexually abused. They were being sexually raped. They were being sexually molested by your pastors and your leadership and your youth pastors. And, and, and look, women, I'm not saying that this, maybe this, women haven't done this. I don't know. Oh, yes. But I'm not going to sit here and say that it can't happen by a lady either. Yep. It can't happen by a woman either. Yep. But you're not even sitting down. You want to cast them away and say they're on their way to hell instead of finding out why they might be on their way to hell. They may be. I'm not going to judge them. They may be on their way to hell. But you don't care enough because, by God, you're going to live by your standard. And, by God, you're going to do this or you're going to do that. And they're not taking the way anymore. So they're backslidden and on their way to hell. Yes. And they're not finding out about their hurt and about their pain. No. And there's been comments made. You've played them on your podcast. There have been comments made of almost making light of, oh, well, they were hurt. Oh, boo-hoo. No. It's more than a boo-hoo. Yes. It's much more serious than that. And, you know, they can sit here and want to cast us aside. They, I'll sit down with them. You want to hear some hard truths? I'll be willing to sit down with you. Because trust me, I know my sins. <laughs> sure. <You> know, <laughs> sure. I, I know what I've done. Yep. I, I, I'm not proud by any stretch of the imagination. Sure. But we can stand. I just feel like there's, there's, these victims are lost, not spiritually per se. These victims are lost in your shuffle because it doesn't fit your narrative. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking to the CHM leaders. It doesn't fit your narrative. So they're, they're lost in the shuffle because you don't want to have to deal with it. And the fact of the matter is you would have more weight carried, not only with your own people, but the people that have walked away from this, if you would be willing to sit down and deal with it and call it what it is. I was listening to an apology right before this show that's not a true apology. He apologized for them finding out some truths that maybe they didn't know. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. It should be known that if this happens to you, you have a safe haven, you have a safe place, please come to us or go to the authorities. We will back you. Go to the authorities and make your report. Yes. None of that's being said. Not at all. Not at all. I was listening to, and I'm sure by the time this comes out, most of the people that listen to our podcast will have heard about the the uh, Jim Plank fiasco at UBC and I heard a another preacher uh, responding to everybody that was calling out Jim and Ron he took the the pulpit and he was talking in such a somber tone because he was getting ready to address all of us heathens that had issue with what Jim Plank said and for a minute, I thought that somehow the recording was messed up. I thought I had it on slow speed or something because his voice was so low and he was speaking in such, uh, it was so speaking so slow and uh, there's some awful things, you know, that kind of thing. 
he, he sounded like he was getting ready to announce 9-11 had just happened or something like that. That was the tone of his, just like he was devastated. And I thought, you know what? You're this upset because Jim Plank got some kickback. But I've never once heard these guys come out and take the stage or the pulpit or the sacred desk or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> don't, don't even get me started on the sacred desk situation. <laughs> but I've never once heard them come out and act like that whenever one of the CHM preachers was arrested. Mm-mm. And that no. angers me, and I have a hard time taking them seriously. Well, and you, and you, brought, you brought up 9-11, Phil. I want to say this. To these victims, that was their 9-11. You want to be somber for somebody? You want to you have your 9-11 moment? You need to sit down and talk to these victims because they are precious lives. I believe Jesus said, suffer the little children unto me, and yet you've made them suffer because of your perverted sickness. And let me tell you, hiding it to a victim, not dealing with it to a victim is just as bad as it happening to them because they have to relive it every single time someone dismisses it. They don't believe that anybody believes in them. They don't believe that anybody has their back. They're dismissed. And they have to relive that. I'm going to tell you, when Plank made the comment, James Plank made the comment, Moral failure and messing with kids. It reopened my wound, and I wasn't even messed with in the church. I wasn't molested in the church. I wasn't fondled in the church. But it reopened my wound from being a victim of sexual abuse. I know that those who were sexually abused in the CHM, I know that it not only opened that wound, it made it regush. And that's why I'm frustrated with this. And again, I know it's not just CHM, but they seem to be the ones not turning things over still, not doing the right thing still. There's other organizations. I sent you a link uh, to to a man who was turned over, and, and they turned him over to 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 the authorities, you know. Uh, but they're still trying to cover up, and you know, there's. Mm-hmm. I understand that everybody's innocent until they're proven guilty, but when there's so many victims, especially under one person, the old adage where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, again, this is why I feel like the, there, there can't be an internal investigation on these matters. Bias is going to come into play. I heard it with yes. my own ears. There was bias there. Can't believe that this would be, I think they, th- there must be something else. There must be something else behind it. They must've upset this people or blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen from time to time, but it's very rare. It's a very rare occurrence that that's the case. If a child is coming to a parent or a parent just finding out that their child is acting out in a way that they're not normally have been acting and they find out why I'm going to, I'm going to side with the victim every time until I'm proven to I'm proven wrong. And that's, that's, that's just, that's not just coming because I'm a victim. That's just coming because common sense says side with the child. Again, suffer the little children unto me, Jesus said. Yes. yes. So I'm going to give them to God. And I'm going to do what's right by them because they don't have a voice for themselves. And even if they're a teenager, again, they can be led into believing to be scared. They can be led into believing that something bad will happen to them or to their family members. And I guarantee you, I know that for a fact that that's happened. Because I remember my big, uh, my, my uh, uh, person at age 10 and 11, the person that, that fondled me, he told me to be quiet. I went straight to, to, to my parent. I went straight to my dad. And, 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 and there was an issue, there was an issue there. Cause my dad kind of said, Oh, that's just the way he is. No dad, you don't understand. He touched me. I don't like it. I ended up going across the street and calling the cops. There are kids though that 
they grow up this way. That I can't touch this man of God. I can't touch him. He's God's anointed, so I can't accuse him of this. I can't tell anybody that he's really doing this to me or she's really doing this to me because that's God's anointed, and I've been told to be reverent to them and obey their authority. Yes. Yes. So they don't come out. They don't say anything. And I'm going to say tonight the things that need to be said, and and the leaders do not want to sit down and hear this. That I'm, I don't know how many of them are really going to listen to your podcast, Phil. No offense. <laughs> I, I love your podcast. I think it's great. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how many of them are tuning in. Yeah, I think very few. of them would. Yes. Especially when you have victims of abuse within the ranks of the conservative holiness movement like you've had before. They really need to sit here and listen to these victims. Yes, they do. I think, Ron, that the theology of the CHM doesn't compute with acknowledging that abuse happens. And I, I remember Dr. Andrew Graham, I think, was uh, the one that I heard say something to that effect. You've got this theology that claims that you hit the second work and then you live a sinless life. So therefore, you have a preacher that uh, has claimed this sinless thing, and then all of a sudden you find, or not even, not even necessarily a preacher, maybe just a CHM attendee, whatever, you know, a member, whatever. And they then hit this supposed second work, and then you find out something like this about them. That doesn't compute with the theology. They're not supposed to do that. They're not supposed to uh, almost not be able to do that. And so then it, it looks bad on the theology to expose that. Well, I think it's not only theology, but it also hits the place that they don't want it to hit the most. And it, it's not only what they're saying they believe in and preaching, but it also hits the pocketbook. If this stuff gets out, People are going to stop giving to the church. People are going to stop giving to missions. People are going to stop giving to IHC. People are, they won't stop if you do the right thing. They'll probably give more if you've got, not one, I don't know of one, I don't know of one church, and I could be wrong. I personally do not know of one church, CHM church or outside of CHM, but I definitely don't know of one CHM church that has any counseling or any kind of uh, projects in place to help people under these conditions of being a victim of sexual abuse, sexual molestation. I don't know of one. I don't know. You, you've got all of these other organizations. You've got all these other mission fields. Are you going to forget? Jesus said, make sure you take care of the elderly, the sick, and the children, those who cannot help themselves. Do you have, I don't know of anybody who's got anything set up, Phil, to help with because I'm going to tell you, the counseling that these victims need are outside the realm of the CHM. Unless they've gone to school to learn how to deal with these particular things, I'm sorry, there's not, I don't believe there's a course in Bible college, is there? I don't believe there's a course at any of their Bible colleges to deal with people with these situations that, have, that they've been placed in by these, these predators. They're predators. We're going to call yes. it again. We're going to call it what it is. Sexual predators who have committed these. There's not, there's not one counseling there's not one there's nothing set up we've got it for the homeless you've got you got the mission field for the homeless you know you want to you want to be able to get people to believe in what you preach and believe in what you're 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 you say you believe in you need to set these things up you need to set these parameters up in place to, and to have them for these people instead of casting them aside or wondering why they're leaving the way and I put that in quotation marks, right. even the way. Let me tell you, I would run from the way, too, if it was happening. 
I would. Sure, sure. And not look back. Why not? You got me thinking here. I, I can't think of one CH. Now, I'm sure somebody will comment and say, oh, you know, so-and-so. But I, I don't know of, of one that has that. Now, I do know that uh, there are instances like Gray Story and stuff like that, and they focus a lot on that. But they're also, I think, pretty safe to say not in the CHM anymore. Well, I, they're backslidden and on their way. To the they're backslidden. <laughs> you hear that, Nate? <laughs> because they wear short sleeves and they don't take you away. You short sleeve wearing center, you. <laughs> and, and, and look, I understand personal convictions. I'm not going to make light of anybody who feels that that's what they need to do. Again, yes. I do believe there are good people in the conservative holiness movement. I do. But we got to be careful. with the, you, you were talking about not fitting their narrative. Is that not the omission of pride? This is where I struggle with complete and utter 100% entire sanctification. And I'm not judging anybody who believes that they are. Right. I'm saying for me, I know there's been instances that I felt checked driving down the road, seeing somebody on the side of the road that might need help and still driving on and going, oh, man, maybe I should have stopped. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet they've got AAA. It's okay. But the omission of pride, I think, is where I struggle with the whole CHM's belief and everybody's living a sinless life. When you're, when you're too proud to bring out and call things that they are because you're afraid it may give you a black mark, to me, that is the omission. It's an omission of it, it's sin. Yes. It's an omission of sin. Not yes. a commission per se. Now, if you continuously do it, knowing that these things continuously are happening and happening and happening, now you're doing it as a commission. I believe omission can lead into commission. I, I'm guilty. The only way, the only way, Phil, that I'm making heaven is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes. It's not going to be anything I do say, not do not say. It's only going to be because I plead the blood of Jesus Christ upon my life. And I'm going to say this to the leaders. To anybody who has done this to these children, if I don't make heaven my home, if for some reason I am turned outside the gates of heaven, I pray they make me the gatekeeper of hell because some of these people ain't walking in either because hell's going to be too good for them. Yeah. And that's how strong I feel about what has happened to these victims. Yes. Yes. I, 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 and I, again, you know, you said the night that you and I talked a little over a year ago, you shed tears. I have shed tears since the whole James Plank comment, calling it moral failure. I have cried for the victims all over. And I have I have felt guilty that I have not. Um, some of these that have come out, Phil, with whether on uh, your platform or on social media platforms, um, I know them. And it breaks my heart. I know them. I had those kids come up and give me, you know, hug me at youth camp and tell me thank you for a great week and everything else. And yet now I find out that somebody had done something to them. It breaks my heart. And they're not, they're not taking the way and they're not living the lifestyle. And I, I don't blame them. And to sit here and pass judgment upon them, not knowing their pain, and then sit there and say, well, you can't just use pain as an excuse. Look. Pain will lead you to do a lot of things. You ever you ever tried to get a wounded dog out of a corner? They're gonna fight you and bite you. So I don't blame I don't blame these victims whatsoever. They need people to love on them and not cast them aside. Yes. And that's my biggest issue with the CHM. They've cast these people aside. You say you're worried about souls and you say you're worried about the loss. If you truly believe they're lost, reach out to them and find out why 
they might be able to sh- prove to you that they're not lost whatsoever. And not that they have to prove anything to anybody, but this is, this is, this is where I, this is where I struggle. They don't want to have these conversations. No. They don't want to sit down and talk about them. I remember even, I, I reached out to a, a very prominent lady in the CHM. She was writing some stuff and was getting some kickback and was talking about how good the CHM was to her. And, uh, you know, kind of casting a, a little shade at those of us that, uh, call call it out for for some of its bad aspects and i remember commenting on her facebook post i thought okay i'll i'll offer it up i said i'd be happy to sit and talk with you and clue you in because if i remember right she was claiming that she doesn't really know why all of us are upset i said "I'll, i'll sit and talk with you i'll clue you in as to some of the reasons why so many of us are uh a bit heated at the chm and it's completely denied. Didn't even want to have the conversation. I think Matthew 23 comes to clarity for me tonight. Um, when Jesus is talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus' harshest words, Phil, were not to the sinners. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this, bad, there's this bad stigma about loving people to Christ. Um, they think that loving them is not preaching hell to them. Um, and I'm not saying that we all don't need to hear a sermon on hell from time to time. I think it's good for everybody to understand that's a real place that we could all go to. Mm-hmm. But you got to love certain people to Christ before you can ever lead them to anything else. And the only thing that we're the only thing we're called to do is to lead them to Christ. We're called to lead them to Him. We're not called to save them. We're not called to straighten them out. We're not called to to line them up. We're called to lead them to Christ and let him do the work. You have the letter of the law, CHM. you got the letter of the law. Absolutely. I like it. You live right beside the railroad track? I do. I like that, man. You got the letter of the law. That's a long black train. I have to be honest. <laughs> there it was. <laughs> there it was. <laughs> Devil's going to get you on. Uh, you got the letter of the law. A lot of churches got the letter of the law, but they have no spirit. Mm-hmm. They have no spirit of the law. And, that, and, and Jesus spoke about that. And, you know, I know that all the Bible is good for us to read. And I know all the Bible has good parts of it. But, man, the older I get, I'm just going to try to re- live by what Jesus told me to live by and believe in. And, you know, I'm not saying the, I'm not saying that the, the disciples and the apostles and, you know, they didn't have things that we need to read and go by. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I'm simply saying that. Jesus gave us the way. Yes, he did. And he is the way. Yep. And he told us what to do. I mean, you think about it. Love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Suffer the little children unto me. You know, greater love has no one than this, the one to lay down his life for his friends. It's about giving them, taking them to Christ and doing things for them. It's not about telling them how they got to live and, and what they should wear and who they should marry. and all the things that you've covered over the last 15, 16 months, I've been listening to you. You know, it's, uh, man, if we could just live more like Jesus, you know? Yeah. No one's perfect. I'm not perfect. I've made, look, I've sinned. Me too. I've caused hurt. Me too. I've, uh, you know, I'm not proud of it. But again, yeah. by the grace of God, I'm going to make heaven my home. And Absolutely. And uh, I, it, it, <laughs> If I don't, again, I, I'm not saying that lightly. I'm not saying that that I want to go to hell. 
I'm saying if I, if I don't, I I want to be able to say there's other people that should be coming in those those gates either because I feel like the damage that they've done has. I, I mean, the blood. I believe the blood will be on on my hands, their hands, whoever for not doing the right thing. You know, um, this is a uh, subject I'm very passionate about. Um, again, not only as not only as a victim, but any any organization that would try to cover this up, and whether it's the CHM, Catholic Church, Boy Scouts of whatever, whoever, you know, it's a uh, it's wrong to cover it up. Yes. It's just wrong to cover it up. And I think we need to be very plain, too, very clear that a lot of people, their response is, I've gotten this so many times, well, yes, but uh, it happens other places, too. I know that. Everybody knows that. You, like, you made reference to that earlier. I get it. But it feels like an excuse when they say that. Yes. Yes, but everybody else. Oh, well, that's fine. But what are you doing about it in yes. your house? What are you, exactly right. What are you doing about it here? And the answer, the vast majority of the time, is absolutely nothing. Yes. And I think that's what frustrates us who, at one time, were firm believers. We're trying to do the things that our leaders are the ones appointed over us, whether it was our pastor, our Sunday school teachers, our uh, leaders of these different uh, uh, conservative holiness movements or IHCs or Bible colleges or whatever. We were trying to do the right thing by listening and, 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 a, and a, you know, um, submitting ourselves to that authority. And yet we knew that something was wrong and something wasn't being done right. And so when we question it, well, now we're being disobedient. Now we're now we're outside the will of God. You know, that's what's going to be said about you. That's what's going to be said about me. Well, they're outside the will of God now. They're backsliders and they're not taking the way and they're on their way to hell. We got to pray for them. And yeah. God, you know, God love them. But God forgive them, but if they're not if they're not us four no more, let them see the door. <laughs> and that's what it is. Yep. It's either us four no more, and by God you're going to do it this way, or you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. And I disagree. I, 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 do I too. will lovingly disagree with uh, those individuals who want to tell me that their way is the only way. Because I remember when the Catholic Church, you got to remember when when some of this was coming out, the Catholic Church was being exposed in great length about mm-hmm. the sexual abuse. And I remember holiness preacher after holiness preacher after holiness preacher after holiness preacher getting up and casting stones against the Catholic Church. And yet it's going on in their same organizations, maybe even in some of them's church, and they're turning a blind eye to it. You are just as guilty, my friend, by turning a blind eye. You are just as guilty, in my opinion, you are just as guilty by doing an internal investigation and not turning this over to the authorities and letting them sort it out. This is a crime. And you are not trained criminally to investigate properly the crimes committed against these victims. You're not. Sorry. Yep. Bible college does not prepare you for that. No, not at all. Specialized training, that specialized classes, that specialized um, counseling degrees and everything else. You are not trained to handle it. You can love them. You can pray for them. You can even allow them to talk to you. But you need to turn it over to the proper authorities and turn them over. And when I say turn them over, that sounds horrible, but you need to turn the investigation over to the proper authorities and help them get the help that they need. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. You need to help them get the help and you need to turn things over to those who know how to truly investigate it and get to the bottom of it. It, it, And here's the deal. 
I guarantee you 99.9% of the time, it's going to be true. It's going to be true. I'm not going to say 100%, but 99.9% of the time, it's, and I think that's what they're afraid of. You guys have touched, no. you guys have touched on this a time or two in your podcast, and we'll touch on it again, I guess maybe tonight. There's so much don't 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 that I think sexual perversion becomes very prominent. Yes, yes, very good point. Everything is sexualized. Everything is uh, if a woman doesn't have the IHC attire, then she's you know a harlot or trying to show her wares or whatever. Uh, you know, insert whatever cliche here. Yeah. Yeah, but even even in those that are were following or have tried to follow the guidelines of length, have still not um, necessarily hidden uh, the assets in which they pertain. And I'm <laughs> even talking about men. Um, mm-hmm. You and I are both big boys. Guinea jeans are not in our uh, they cut out for me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I have seen some that have uh, uh, wore them that uh, didn't leave anything to the imagination uh-huh. and uh, nothing said about that. Nothing. I've never heard one sermon preach on a guy wearing his pants too tight in the CHM. Not one time ever, but I've heard it all towards the women and what they should and shouldn't wear and what they should and shouldn't do. And I heard a, uh, kind of give a little bit of comic relief here. I heard an old bas- uh, ba- Baptist preacher. <laughs> <laughs> I heard an old Baptist preacher say one time that uh, he's talking about old barns and how they need a new fresh coat of paint every once in a while. He said, "I don't, I don't understand these people who don't think that some women should wear makeup because it helps." Same thing could be said about some men. They need to grow their hair out a little bit longer. They got big old bulldog wrinkles in the back of their head, like yes. I do. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here, same here. <laughs> Uh, I say that lighthearted. I don't. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but, I think the CHM, they, they need to address this. And I tell you what, speaking to the CHM, you need to start taking this seriously, more seriously than you have. And if for no other reason than this, there's going to come a time that we're going to hear about you on Netflix. Yes, sir. This pressure's growing. You've seen it come down the line now with, uh, you had, the, of course, the Amish thing and a lot of documentaries and series out there talking about the horrific issues there. Now it's got a little Mormons. closer. Yeah, of course, yep. the, the Mormons with Warren Jeffs and all that. Now it's got a little closer with the Duggars. Yep. Okay, it's going to keep coming. It's going to keep coming. And at some point, uh, the right person is going to get a hold of this story, and you're all going to get caught with your hand in the cookie jar. It's time to address it. I want you to do it for a different motive other than that, but if that's what it takes to get you motivated, it's... You need to start treating it seriously and start doing something to get a handle on this and to stop it. Well, I pray that it has not happened to any of these leaders' children. But, Phil, I only believe that change will come about when it does. And I don't want that to be the case. I I hope that it's addressed now so it doesn't happen to their children or to their grandchildren by people that they have placed the utmost uh, the utmost respect in, the utmost confidence in, um, to ha- only find out that these people that they've done that to might have done this to one of their their family members. Yeah. And that's 
that's the sad thing. Unfortunately, we really don't see change happen until it happens to someone too close to the situation. Um, and usually it, it, until it happens to a leader and I don't want that to be the case. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah. And maybe it has, maybe there are some and they just kept it hush hush, but I want you to understand pastors, Sunday school teachers, Sunday school bus drivers, ushers, leaders of the CHM, hiding it, keeping it quiet, only continues to hurt the victim. I cannot say that any more clear. I cannot say that any more heartfelt. It only continues to keep the wound open. It only continues to make them hurt because you've, you've, you've swept them to the side. That's how they feel. They feel tossed to the side. What they had happened to them, they did not ask for, and they're not asking for you to throw them away or belittle what has happened to them. And that's exactly what you do when you keep quiet. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Well, Ron, I don't want to keep you all night. Uh, you've done a fantastic job here. You're, you're very good at uh, talking about this sort of thing, and I appreciate you uh, coming on, but, you know, talking to me for, you know, over the past year as well and, and kind of helping, helping me to see some things and helping me to uh, – you're pretty good at firing me up, and I appreciate that. I need that every now and then. <laughs> well, I hope everybody understands that it took us this long to even have this episode. It, it, this wasn't the fly by the seat of our pants. Not at all. Of, uh, discussion we bounced a lot of things off each other for the last 15 16 months um i think in light of recent comments and uh there's some more being made today i haven't got completely all the way through listening to one of one of the people who were apologizing i haven't got done with all of it yet but i can tell you that what i've already heard is not good enough it's not you've got to call it what it is and um i I again hope that if anybody needs somebody to talk to, they know they can come to me. There's great story. I, yep. I know there's other or, or other organizations out there that we can lead them to uh, to get any kind of uh, help. Absolutely. Um, you know, the biggest thing is the one thing I want to encourage all victims to do: tell your story. You're not alone. Tell your story. People are there. And, you know, I don't want anybody to get to a point that they're so dark and so deep that they don't feel like there's any hope for them. There is. Yes, there is. We care about you. We love you. Yep. We want to help you. And that's the main purpose of this episode is to bring to light, call it what it is, and let's help and love people with the love of Christ to overcome them being being a victim and, and the hurt and the pain that they have carried for how many years? That's the important thing of this. That's that's what I wanted to get out of this whole thing. I know that's what you wanted to get out of this yes. whole thing, and that's what we want everybody to get out of this episode tonight. <laughs>